One of the main themes that, that I have for our staff and for our families is, one, let's get through this, right? Because sadly, as you started, a lot of small businesses are not getting through it. And I know in the last three weeks alone, there's about six film schools in the region that have closed down for good. Mm. Um, and look, I'm as competitive as the next person, but that's the last thing that I wanna hear happen, right? Because at the end of the day, I can be competitive and, and I want my swim schools to succeed, but I also want the, the region to learn how to swim. Um, and it's a very different kind of side of the business model in that sense, in that, that that's never a good sign for any of us when these places have to close. And so we first need to make it through this, but I think on the other side of it, there needs to be a push just even beyond my swim schools to almost re-educate, reinvigorate families to remember the importance of these phases as their childs go through them, uh, as their children go through them, both for a socialization, but also for a, a a physical exercise, but education side of things too, that they it's not replaceable. You can't really go back and go, oh, just kidding, you're six now, let's go back to when you're four and put you through all these things that you couldn't do when you were in quarantine. So I think it's really important to keep that dialogue going. Hey guys, I'm joined today uh, with Tom Dolan, two-time Olympic gold medalist champion, University of Michigan Sports Hall of Fame member, but probably more importantly, a small business owner who's out there trying to teach children basic water and life skills to lower the chance of drowning. Tom, good to see you today. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, so let, let's just jump into it and let's just last six months. I mean, you've got a small business that's an indoor small business where I imagine there's a lot of people in close proximity. So go back to March, kind of what happened with your business? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, first things first, the, the sad irony, and this is, this story is, has been repeated many times, but um, in my business model years ago, when I started my swim schools, um, you know, kind of assessing it financially and um, viability in the marketplace and all those good things, it was very hard to find holes in it in the sense of wasn't a fad offering. It wasn't kind of, um, well, maybe some people will do it and some people won't. It was a life skill. You know, it's, we're, we're teaching kids to, to be able to save their own lives in the water and we're teaching families to, to use swimming, um, like all youth sports, as a foundation of building life skills um, beyond just water safety, but actually self-confidence and um, analytical learning and muscle memory and all these good um, educational life skill values. And, you know, I think the, the one kind of uh, uh, arrow, if you will, that would, would puncture that perfect little um, economic downturn proof bubble is a global pandemic. Um, and, you know, who would ever would, would kind of build that in of like, all right, in a global pandemic, here's how we're going to pivot. And so now we've got our, our playbook. And, uh, you know, that's what I was forced to, to look at in March. So we, w the state, um, had us closed down March 15th and we were closed until June 13th. So essentially three months, uh, not good for any business model. Um, and, and for us, you know, it's obviously a service that is face to face. Um, so, you know, our, our senior team did a, a fantastic job of, you know, pivoting is overused so much right now, but, um, adjusting really quickly on the fly so that even before April 1st, we had some virtual learning opportunities for families and we had some videos out there for them so that they could at least engage their kids in, in the, the, the kind of continuing muscle memory and dry land exercises that mimic swimming strokes and, and some of the things that they were learning even at a young age 
and also just to engage them and keep them active, right? Because I think as parents, that's one of our main concerns is lack of PE and lack of activities in general is um, losing that socialization that youth sports brings, but also losing that physicality um, and teaching the, the, the muscles in the brain to work together and, and to adjust and, and, and build on skill sets in any given activity. So we did switch to videos, which, you know, was a, was a value, but you're not going to replace that experience in the water. And the good of that for, for my model as a business is we are Amazon proof because people are never going to teach their kids to swim just on videos or, you know, ordering things. And right. the downside of that is you can't ever fully replace that. And I think um, when we closed for three months, um, much like a lot of businesses, we, we, we communicated a lot with our families, um, kind of had a constant update. I did a lot of Facebook lives. Um, you probably heard about it around the world, Tuesdays with Tom Kim each day. <laughs> Um, we had like seven viewers and, uh, but I think it did connect with a lot of parents and they could watch it on, on re on replay and just get an update on, on where the business is. I, you know, one of the things that I found during this really difficult time in, in just being a positive kind of entrepreneur and also from my swimming days of really, um, kind of almost training myself to just expect obstacles, um, and to, you know, anticipate overcoming them and, and, and accepting that challenge. I think it's a big thing that I've taken on uh, with my with my team is um, accepting that you can't control everything and looking at the positive of how can we get better so that when we do make it through this, um, we're a better organization, a better offering for families, you know, on the other side of it. And, you know, one of the things I think is, is, is more and better communication. Um, and I think not just with families, but with staff in general. So we worked a lot on that while we were closed in, in, in uh, updating curriculum and updating uh, really just lines of communication of what we're planning to do when we reopen, how we can make it safe for families. And that's really what it kind of led into was, you know, a lot of time and energy, which I, I will say when you look at it kind of from top down, seems like, boy, this, we are really spinning our wheels. Um, and I know in talking to a lot of other small business owners, that's kind of the, the theme and the mantra is, man, you feel like you're working three times as hard for about a third of the, of the benefit um, in the form of customers. And that's kind of where it transitioned during those three months was getting ready, um, getting the schools ready, um, ordering all the protective gear, um, figuring out the flow of traffic and how to keep people socially distanced and safe so that we could reopen in June. You know, even when we reopened, uh, we're, we're still restricted by the state in terms of total capacity in the school. Um, and we capped our swim lessons essentially in half student teacher ratio. So for most of the levels, it's it's either two students per teacher or three students per teacher, depending on where they were before, whether it was four or five or six. Um, it's a tough it, it, it's a tough environment still. And it will be until it kind of goes away. All right, so let's go back to March 13, March 15, you're shut down. April 1, you guys have figured out some sort of video component. So yep. those 15 days, who, who's leading that charge? Are you guys it, all hands on deck? Are you guys just doing the Zoom calls? Someone says, hey, we, we should do video. Like, who's coming up with the ideas then to flip that model so quickly? Yeah, so um, it, it was my idea to to say, look, why don't we use our, our most experienced people, our senior staff, and have them start to talk directly to our families. Um, and part of it, in, in, in full transparency, was also finding things for, for employees to do. 
right? Because I didn't want to let um, my team go. And I kind of game planned really quickly financially how long we could make it if we were just going to be closed, zero revenue, um, but also not cut jobs. And it, it leaves you with this odd reality of, wait, so what are they going to do, right? Because, because again, we're customer-facing business. So there's only so many kind of like admin things to give them to stay busy. Um, and so this was also... It, it, it kind of served two purposes. I think it challenged our senior staff to think creatively in terms of, hey, what topics, what content in those videos are most beneficial for families? So, you know, for example, clearly you can do a whole class, half an hour curriculum, and this is what we work through. And so maybe it's not for the four-year-olds, but for the six, seven, eight-year-olds that really understand it and remember their class, um, they can work They can work with their mom and dad. Oh, I remember that. Wait, what is that technique again and, and that drill? And even if that's just once a week, at least it gives them a set schedule to focus on that time. Um, but I think beyond that, where my senior staff did a fantastic job is, is then taking that a step further and saying, okay, what about the most common mistakes in the curriculum where kids really struggle up front and take a long time to, to kind of feel um, their balance and buoyancy in a, in a particular skill or drill. And, um, and they really honed in on that in the videos. And so it, I, I kind of drove the ideas of let's get to the videos. Let's do it quickly. I think the bigger franchise type some schools, understandably, it just takes longer for them to, to kind of pivot and move. They're not as nimble. Um, and we, you know, one of the things that we could leverage, leverage off really quickly was knowing our curriculum so well being able to kind of break it down and simplify it into short three, four minute videos that compartmentalize the learning. So if it's, you know, someone that's just starting out and we're working on front flow, here are going to be the key factors. Rather than having them have to watch every time an entire 30 minute video, they can just jump in and jump out um, and get little snippets here and there. And that's where I think the senior staff really um, in their own roles evolved and, and added creativity because when they teach the classes, they know, they see what people struggle with and, and what they get right away. And that's what we could break down and kind of compartmentalize in the video themselves. You know, as, as we're sitting and talking, um, um, I guess recognizing that most of these kids that you're teaching are going to know you, Tom Dolan, as a swim school CEO or instructor and not a two-time gold medalist or multi-Olympic champion and, and world record holder. And for the years and decades we've known each other, I, I know you're the most humble in all this, and, and you've put your personal swimming career in real perspective of the grand scheme in life. So it might be more of a softball question to you, but I just find that an, it's an interesting kind of juxtapose there of that. And, and the moms and dads know you maybe for who you were, and that helped begin the name of the swim school. But kind of what's your take on that? I mean, you're going to be yeah, known more think- instructor as. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a good question from a perspective base too, right? Because that juxtaposition um, has to be presented the right way, right? And that one can't totally lead the other uh, either way. Um, they do need to, they do, they do need to, to function um, and, and, and help themselves. In other words, um, the swim school owner side and the, the kind of entrepreneur side of wanting to uh, infuse passion and responsibility um, and life skills into my employees, which then in turn trickles down to taking that same energy um, and and kind of 
only accepting perfection to the families in terms of service um, still has to blend with the swimming side, which is to say in a business offering, we're not offering fencing classes and I was an Olympic gold medal swimmer, right? And so I think that the, I just grew up in a household where, um, uh, you know, kind of promoting oneself was frowned upon. And <laughs> probably to, to my detriment, I think post swimming career, I probably didn't leverage it as much as I, I should have, right? I went into investment banking um, and, <laughs> and, and worked, you know, in that world for five years after I got done swimming. And then, you know, and then really wanted to, to run my own business and, and find that passion um, to instill in others. And I think merging those two together um, is always something that takes a little extra thought and care and concern so that it's not just a figurehead hey, uh, I was an Olympic gold medalist, you should just go to the swim school and then the people there will help you out, right? Conversely, what I struggle with, quite frankly, the most is, um, I think, attributed to my swimming days, I'm so detail-oriented and so particular about step 12 or step 50 in an action plan being just as precise and accurate as step one, um, that at times I have to force myself to pull back a little bit um, yeah. and, and, and I'm almost too involved. And I think one of the things in my own critique of myself as a, as a small business owner is the balance kind of like you're asking of my swimming career and, and kind of the accolades that came with it that then can, can provide the expertise and, and uh, professionalism of the brand of a, of a swim school with the ownership of a swim school is the same kind of challenge I have in terms of delegating and allowing people to flourish and lead them versus um, really wanting to intricately correct every single tiny thing. Um, so what have you, so what have you done to try to change your own mindset in that? So it's funny, you know, um, I was saying to my wife the other day, I actually, I'm, I'm very much a, uh, there are positives in everything, whether it was a race that I lost or, you know, having asthma and swimming or any of the, the kind of hurdles that I had to, to, to face and, and overcome in, in my athletic career. In, in business, I look at it the same way. And that, that is, um, I, I work hard not to dwell on the things I can't control and look at, at what we can get better um, on any given point in any day. And one of the things I, I look at the, the disastrous 2020 and the quarantine and coronavirus is, um, sounds really weird to say out loud, but this is how I'm wired is um, working less and getting more out of it. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and I found in doing that 2020, not even going back, you know, nine, 10 years when I started the business, but, but this year and, and using this going forward is I have found that in testing myself, if I pull back, let's say 10%, 15% on any given day or, or, or multiple days in a row, it's almost no effect to the business. And so in a, in a funny way, it, it almost, it's not to say, hey, everyone, let's get lazy, but it is, it is that classic work hard versus work smart. And I was brought up in a household and kind of have DNA wired through me of work hard. And it's the only way that, that we were accepted in our family. Um, and all of my family members are the same way, but it doesn't necessarily mean that every day that's the smartest thing or way to go about it. Right. Because it's just, you're churning and you're grinding and it's, 
it's it's how I was brought up. It's very much what the sport of swimming is, especially for my events that I swam. Um, but I think there's a time that, and I'm continually learning. I think I'm also a person that I never feel like there isn't more to learn. My, you know, curiosity to me is the number one best trait of any entrepreneur. I think you always have to be curious every single minute of every single day, because I think if you're not, you're, you become complacent, um, regardless of success. I don't think it has anything to do with level of success, awards, money, accolades, anything like that. I think it's just a simple curiosity of wanting to do better, whether it's for yourself or others. And that's one of the things I found, believe it or not, during quarantine is I burned myself out to your original question, March, April, kind of May into June with PPP and all this. It just, it was constant and working from home. I never got away from it. So I was just morning, noon and night, you know, 1030 at night, I was still working because I didn't have any separation, physical separation. And it was totally unhealthy. And I think by June, I really started to work on as a, as a leader, um, taking care of myself, which in turn then would take care of others around me. And I think not, not feeling like I have to do everything all the time has helped. And I think it, it, it further empowers everyone around me um, to grab the bull by the horns and, and be creative and add their ideas and move forward with it. It's amazing when you say taking care of yourself, which brings up mental health. And it's amazing in any conversation now, you know, if this was six months ago, not one leader or CEO or professional, they never talk about taking care of yourself. It has never come up in a conversation and now it leads many conversations. I'm going to go back again to your swimming career for a second. Um, 2004, you and I are actually sitting next to each other in Athens, Greece, when Michael Phelps wins the 400 IM and you're the defending champion in the 400 IM. So your name's up on the board in advance. He goes out there. It's the beginning of Michael's obviously ridiculous career. When, the moment Michael won that race and you now are, he's now the defending champion. Uh, how much in you then, if you look back, was a hundred percent ecstatic for Michael in the future of, of swimming and the future of USA swimming versus a little bit in you like, Oh man, that I, I was the defending champion. Yeah. I think it's a good question. I think it's one that, that a lot of people don't understand, right? Rightly so. And I think even people, even athletes that have been in that position, a lot of times don't understand it, can't put it into words and really struggle for the rest of their life with it. Um, and it's, it's one of the things that I think that probably I would attribute somewhat to my upbringing and kind of how I was taught and what, I, what, what the sport meant to me. Um, but also I would attribute to, as I matured through the sport, what enjoyment level I got out of certain aspects of it, right? And every athlete is different in that respect. And so to answer your question, there was 0% that felt um, a loss at all right? Like it was a piece that was gone because the beauty of any accomplishment, in my opinion, whether it's athletic or anything else is it never goes away. Um, so just because you were awarded it on Monday, it's, it's not gone on Tuesday. You, you have it for the rest of your life and whether it's externally still there internally, you have it for the rest of your life. And, and I don't care if that's eight and under girls soccer or, um, you know, uh, an NC2A championship or an Olympic gold medal or whatever it may be, um, it, it shouldn't ever go away, right? It, I, I view all those experiences, both good and bad, I might add too, just like times when you lose as 
they are just building blocks inside you that make you who you are. And I don't think they ever end. So I'm not a believer in like, oh, you get through your 20s and that's who you are. Um, I think every day of our lives, something else is built inside. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. Um, but I think that's how I always viewed swimming is I never at any point felt like, well, that when I retire, I hope nobody breaks my records or comes up behind me because then it will diminish what I did. I think if that was honestly my feeling, I would have probably chosen a different endeavor, whether it was athletics or something else, um, because it wouldn't have framed the way I kind of thought about my own uh goals, whether they're daily or weekly or monthly or, or for the year or for a career. Um, so that's the first part of it is I, I think I was a little different in that, in that um, aspect of, of how I viewed it in that. Um, I also, I would also add that I, I think within USA Swimming, most of us um, that viewed it from a historical perspective, sorry, viewed the sport and, and, and the U.S., and our role within the sport at a global level, um, very much as a relay member that hands the baton off to the generation that comes up behind us. Um, and to, that's how I grew up understanding it. And whether it was Janet Evans and Matt Biondi before me to then my kind of generation in the 90s um, into 2000 to then the next generation of um, of Phelps and Aaron Pearsall and, and, and uh, you know, ultimately Natalie Coughlin and, and on to, to uh, Katie Ledecky and so on and so forth. I think one of the reasons, um, in my view internally, of USA Swimming that it succeeds, no offense to the organization or, or coaches in general at all, but very specifically to the athletes, it's that they know it's as much about doing their best. In other words, getting as much out of their talent and their work ethic um, as possible, but also setting the standards so that those behind them can do better and have that bar up high enough to reach. And I think that's a cultural um, athletic phenomenon that happens, right? And you see it in, you know, dynasties like the Patriots or the Golden State Warriors or, um, you know, you name it, that have won or achieved at a level. It, it's a cultural phenomenon that everybody that walks into that locker room, they just believe kind of a rung or two higher than others may when they walk into another locker room and they've done nothing yet. Right. And that's that same reality. When you put that USA uh, you know, flag on your cap or your suit, that it kind of brings you up a couple of rungs and it's just because of what those before you did. And I think that's a really important um, athletic cultural reality um, that is very powerful for athletes. The, the, the last point I, I would just quickly make is to your question, you know, I think the other thing about it too is when you retire, quote unquote, which is a really, in my opinion, like incorrect, crazy, weird word to use for a, a young human being in athletics. I mean, when I retired, um, I had held the world record for nine years. So I broke it when I was 18. I, I retired at 27, I guess officially I was, maybe it was more like 26. Uh, the opening game, the yeah, opening games in, in Sydney, I turned 25. Um, I, I think it's a dangerous, it's, it's kind of a, a, a dangerous um, word and, and reality to be faced with. I never viewed it as that part of my life was over. I viewed it as um, I want to be just as successful in my own mind, not in world rankings, not in like 
world business rankings, but in my own mind of what I was going to do and applying those life skills to whatever I did next. And so I just viewed it as a transition. And it wasn't this like dead stop, what do I do now? It was that part of my life was done and I'm ready to go. And I do credit asthma, believe it or not, oddly enough, to a lot of that just realistic view because I didn't retire um, for, for just random reasons. I retired because my body just said to me, enough's enough. Like we've been battling asthma for years and years and years and, and we're, we're done. Like we stepped up for you, we're ready to move on. I think that actually helped frame things a lot for me to say, okay, now it's time and let's find something else to use all these life skills that you that you gained. Let's, let's close with, you mentioned goals for a second. Let's close with uh, goals of the swim school and multiple swim schools in the next few years. You know, you've got both in terms of growth and, and more uh, facilities, but just simple goals of life skills and swim skills to uh, from drowning and everything else. Yeah, look, I think it's a um, it's it's always important to talk about this for 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 parents and for families. I think right now is is as important as it's ever been um, in our lives, and that's because we've just gone through a summer where we didn't have that normal outlet, especially in our region where there's so many summer pools, so many neighborhood pools. It was so restricted um, that there is a real concern globally now. Uh, not just in this region, that um, we are missing this access point and, and, and developmental phase for kids to, to be introduced to, to the water and to proper swimming skills to be able to learn to swim. The other side of it, to me, back to kind of our, our conversation of kind of merging both worlds of running a swim school in my background as an Olympic swimmer is that there is a huge developmental phase uh, for our kids of, of socialization through youth sports that we are missing right now. Um, and, and I feel lucky that I sit in the middle of those two realities in running swim schools, um, because it is important that everybody learn to swim and have the life skill of being able to, to swim and, 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 and not drown. But there's also an important reality of the life skills that that brings. And, um, helping you in the classroom because you now analytical thinking from learning curriculum and swimming and listening to your instructor and and following directions and taking your turn in line and all those skills that we take for granted because our kids just did a million activities. Um, and so I think it's really important for everyone to remember because it's hard now that it's nothing is front and center for us, right? It's this crazy chaotic time where it's almost like we're doing nothing, but then there's so much happening, Right. And so it's this weird combination that we're living through. And, you know, one of the main themes that, that I have for our staff and for our families is, one, let's get through this, right? Because sadly, as you started, a lot of small businesses are not getting through it. And I know in the last three weeks alone, there's about six swim schools in the region that have closed down for good. Mm. Um, and look, I'm as competitive as the next person, but that's the last thing that I want to hear happen, right? Because at the end of the day, I can be competitive and, and I want my swim schools to succeed, but I also want the, the region to learn how to swim. Um, and it's a very different kind of side of the business model in that sense. And that, that that's never a good sign for any of us when these places have to close. And so we first need to make it through this, but I think on the other side of it, there needs to be a push just even beyond my swim schools to almost re-educate, reinvigorate families to remember the importance of these phases as their childs go through them 
uh, as their children go through them, both for a socialization, but also for a, a, a physical exercise, but education side of things too, that they, it's not replaceable. You can't really go back and go, oh, just kidding, you're six now, let's go back to when you're four and put you through all these things that you couldn't do when you were in quarantine. So I think it's really important to keep that dialogue going. That's certainly gonna be one of our goals as we move forward is to educate more. You know, back to, to what I was saying about the Facebook Live and things like that, it's not really my thing, right? Like I, I could be better, uh, I think, at that and, and push that harder. But, but I've gotten so much uh, positive response to just open up that dialogue. That's one of the things we definitely plan on doing is, is staying in better touch with our families to add tips and add kind of a further education to them about keeping their kids active, about getting, keeping them in the water and just having them be acclimated in the water, even if it's not always formal swim lessons, but to stay engaged in it. And I think, again, probably that wouldn't be so front and center had we not gone through quarantine in the crazy 2020 that we're in. And that's The Bond. There's plenty more to come.